took this picture um, in high school, and you're wondering, what filter is that? That is the Kodak disc camera. Anybody old enough to remember that? Yeah, I, I assume this is a basketball game or maybe a pep rally. I don't really know, but uh, I don't know if your high school did this, but I found myself in this situation a lot at games or pep rallies where one side would yell in unison, we've got spirit, yes we do, and the other side would yell what? We've got spirit, how about you? And it just kept going and going. It's like that worship song, you're like, land it, just land it. Um, <laughs> yes, so that, that would happen. I was at a football game when my son was still a student at North Atlanta High School, and they were playing uh, at Midtown High School's stadium off Monroe there, and uh, they were playing some team from, I don't really know, but they were like way up north, sub- suburban team, right? And there was an altercation on the field between the players, and I'm just sitting back in like the dad section, and all the students are down below, I guess smoking, I don't know. But they're all together. We're just up at the top eating $7 popcorn that's cold. Um, but there was an altercation on the field, and everybody's, of course, paying attention, and the uh, officials break it up. And then in unison, all of the North Atlanta kids start chanting, ITP, ITP, ITP. Uh, isn't that great? I, I thought that's, that's the best cheer I've ever heard. And I think the other side was like, what are they saying, honey? Like, what are they, what are they saying about us? No offense to the suburbs. I, I love Olive Garden. <laughs> Genuinely. <laughs> Rivalries. Uh, we all have them. Uh, historians tell us that even athletics, sport, was a way in the ancient world to practice warfare, to set up scenarios where we can practice these rivalries. Rivalries exist. That's the world we live in, between teams, between um, nations, between voters. This is the world that we live in. Ours is a world where the lines between us are very easy to see. Ours is also a world that rewards even profits on the tension between people um, off of the negative dialogue that happens between us. It profits on these things. It rewards and reinforces these ideas. I like what uh, Bill Maher said when he talked about just Twitter. He's like, you post something on Twitter and it goes from zero to homicide very quickly. You know what I mean? For those of you who are quiet, you are participants in that, uh, that situation, I'm guessing. It does not feel as though we live in a world that isn't divided. It does feel that we live in a place in time where things are quite divided, where people are at each other's throats all the time. Uh, it's very interesting. Uh, think about it this way. You do it, I do it, we all do it. We make character judgments on people based on the news channel they watch. Don't we? Like, when you go, we went to the varsity the other week because I looked at my wife and said, I just gotta go to the varsity. And she said, okay. So we all went. And there's a CNN room and there's a Fox News room. And like, even I was like looking through the window like, yep, yep. You can just see it, you know? It's a good thing there's a wall between the two, right? But we do it. We make 
character judgments on people just based on where they get their news. It's very, very strange. We understand the us and them infrastructure that we all live in. And this voice from the past, Jesus, he speaks to us from thousands of years ago, and he says something like, but I say to you that listen, I say to you that listen, you could also interpret this as those of you who are still listening, I say to you, love your enemies, do good to those uh, who hate you, bless those who curse you, and pray for those who abuse you, who hurt you. We have to acknowledge that these words are very foreign, alien to our ears. They sound very strange to us. They were not, uh, they were also crazy to the first listeners as well. When we hear these and they don't sit well with us, trust me, the first listeners to hear this were also like, I don't know. And we've, we've dug and we've looked. I mean, historically, Jesus is unique here. We don't find any other teachings like this to love one's enemies in a way that manifests itself in even behavior. So historically, Jesus is on his own here. But it gets worse. He goes on to say, if anyone strikes you on the cheek, offer the other also. Now, I would do that because I can't fight. (laughs) And from anyone who takes away your coat, do not withhold even your shirt, which is a funny, sort of a funny visual Nothing stops a criminal like helping him. (laughs) Give to everyone who begs from you, and if anyone takes away your goods, do not ask for them again. From Les Mis, like you forgot the forks. That's what that scene is. So it just gets worse. If these things are done to you, then respond in this way. Now the ancient manuscripts of this story um, have the crowd responding with, uh, it's Greek, but it just, it's just WTF. Like, that's what they said. <laughs> Don't fact check that. It's not true. <laughs> but they were thinking it, I promise you. Now, some considerations for us. When we see a list like this that Jesus gives for how we deal with others, one of the things that we do, especially in religious circles, is we think, oh, I'm supposed to do all this. But it's, it's important not to read this first as a checklist. Uh, though you may do them, you may find yourself performing these acts in your relationships. And you may find that during your life that these types of things happen to you. You may experience these things for sure. There's no law against doing any of these. You can knock yourself out. You can love your enemies in these ways or you can come up with other ways. But it's not to be seen as like uh, a list of things that I have to go and do now. There's something deeper going on. But history does have examples of people doing these things, both ancient and modern. We can find people that live in this way, and they are, of course, lauded as heroes. They are people that we look up to. We never see someone acting in this way and think, that's the worst human being. On the... We think the opposite. We see these, and it's admirable. It's humbling. But I think it's important for us not to read it and go, oh my gosh, I've got to do all these things this week. But Jesus is making a set of statements, and this is the first thing to notice here. He's making a set of statements that call into question this cultural ethic of revenge, of spite, of I'm going to return 
the wrongdoing in a way that is um, spiteful, revengeful. He's calling into question a cultural ethic that reinforces division and hatred. That's one way to read that. Initially at the top, just going, okay, whether I do these things or not, what Jesus is doing is he's holding up two ways of dealing with our enemies, dealing with those that we're in tension with. And he's like, there's this way, but there's also this way. And so we have to look at it through that lens. And Jesus is also simply just handing us an actual alternative to treating people that we are at odds with in new ways, an alternative to consider. He's just placing new things on the table for consideration. I think as the people of God, we have to wrestle with that. We have to find ways to think through these things and how does this look in my life? How does this look in my relationships? So it's not so much a list of things to go and do. I'll get to this in a moment, but it is some things to consider. But it He's, he's, he's speaking about a new framework for how we live in the world. And then he goes on to say, do to others as you would have them do to you. It's the golden rule, right? Do to others as you would have them do to you. There's a great story of um, uh, Hillel the Elder, which is, predates Jesus, but uh, someone goes to him and says, just tell me the whole law while standing on one leg, sort of. I don't know if it's legend or not, but it's a great story. And he says to them, and I'll just quote it for you here, whatever is hateful to you, do not do to your neighbor. This is the whole Torah. The rest is commentary. The rest is ethical discussion. But do, uh, do not do what is hateful to you to your neighbor. Whatever is hateful to you, don't do that. So you can sort of see this sentiment in other ways, but Jesus flips it. Jesus is not saying, look, whatever you consider terrible, don't go do that. He flips it and makes it more like go and do things to people that you would love to have done to you. He flips it from a way to stop the relational bleeding, which is kind of what the first quotation is, to a way of promoting and reinforcing possible healing. Go and do the things that you would love done to you. Others have commented on similar sentiments, like be the change that you want to see in the world, right? These are the ideas here. Now, let me say this. We have to admit, all of us in the room, we have to admit that each of us carry uh, within us the capacity and at times even the desire to hate people. We have to admit that. We have, maybe you have a list, I don't know but we all have to admit that we carry that capacity within us and it's sometimes even the desire to hate people. And Jesus gives us a different ethic to guide our tensions between us, between our neighbor, between our enemies, that we call into question the old ways of revenge and spite and that we imagine a different way. That's what he's doing. Now you can go and do everything on that list and God bless you. Let me know how that goes. But more than anything, to see it as a new idea, a new way of doing relationships. We talk about how love wins. 
It's on stickers. It's on church websites. It's, it's true. Theologically, I think it's true. Uh, when Paul writes in 1 Corinthians 13 that faith, hope, and love remain, but the greatest of these is love, I, I see that as like love is the destination of all things, that at the end of time what's left is the love of God between us. Like, I get it. Love wins. Yes, that is, I see that uh, throughout the story of Scripture, that love is the final resting place for all things. I see that. We talk about how love conquers that love and yes it does it does but sometimes and I think this might be what Jesus is getting at here sometimes I find that love simply gives up that love sometimes just relinquishes that love lays down its weapons that love sometimes loses, that love dies to itself. I find that this is also true, that sometimes love walks away. Because anger and hatred are very exhausting behaviors. Amen? They require so much Work. They require that I keep watching you. They require that I keep trolling you. They require that I keep critiquing you. They require that I keep score, which is so pathological. Um, what's this journal? Oh, nothing. <laughs> it's just my burn book of you. Um, mean girls, thank you. It requires that I keep counting the losses. You know, if you've ever said to someone in the heat of an argument, well, you always, that's what we're doing. That's what we're doing. And it's so exhausting. It's tiring. It's also quite fruitless in the scheme of things. From a previous sermon just a few weeks ago, uh, just as a repeat here, simply that hatred doesn't really work. It's not working. When we think about it in the, the scheme of life, it's just not working. It works short term. It does something for us, but it doesn't work long term and perhaps Jesus is questioning that even then it's not working and so what does an application look like for this teaching for us I don't know I think it's easy for pastors to get up and say okay go and do these things but today I want to say to you that there's nothing for you to do there's nothing for you to leave here like to do Uh, There's no behavior that you have to add to your life with this one. This one is actually about stopping. This one is about extraction, of taking things out of my life. This one is about letting go. This one is about quitting. And as a Gen Xer, I can tell you, quitting is awesome. It's very liberating. Who's Gen X? Exactly, exactly. We're still here. And so what I want you to imagine for just a a minute or so here um, are the ways that your life uh, gets, like how are you inspired to keep upholding tension in your relationships What is it that fuels your dislike of other people? Uh, 
even hatred of others? Do you wake up in the morning and get on social media and think, who's going to piss me off today? Is that what you're doing? I used to do that. I still kind of do that. And I would just say, like, the answer to that is, like, just stop. Maybe the best thing for you in the coming weeks is when it just, that's a very acute example, but just when it comes to social media, maybe, like, if that's what's fueling your anger towards people, there's a mute button. You can just make people disappear without killing them. (laughs) And you don't have to deal with it. I've, I've muted people. You know why? Because I love them. And I know that if I keep seeing what they're doing, I'm going to hate them. That's in me. It's in you too. And so sometimes like the most loving thing you can do is just stop. Sometimes the most loving thing that you can do is just mute, just walk away, just unfollow, just because you love them. But if you keep watching, if you keep trolling, if you keep seeing their little circle with the name and go, what are they saying today? And you click and you go, nope, nope, nope. Like, just stop. That's so exhausting. I speak from experience. I mean, Lindsay can tell you in the office, I'm like, ah. She's like, who's bothering you today? You know? Like when Ferris Bueller's sister goes to the office, you know, who's bothering you today? I love that scene. Um, Maybe that's the best thing you can do this week is just stop. See, you don't have to do anything. You just have to learn the practice of extraction so that, not that people actually disappear, but that you remain, uh, you love them still. Because trust me, people think that about you too. You're not immune to this. I'm not immune to this. I know certain people see me or hear me or see what I do or say, and they, they hate it. And maybe they at one point didn't, but just over time, they're just like, man, I hate him. I hate him. So that, that is the same for you as well. You just have to remember that, that everybody has that in them. But maybe the people of God can do something different by simply not doing that at all. And just taking a breath and letting people be who they are and just love them still. Amen? That's a very acute application, but I feel like it's relevant in our world. There's so much division. It's exhausting. We keep these battles going that really yield no victories, only more division and more hatred. And Jesus closes this teaching by saying, I want you to be merciful just as your father is merciful. Let's say that together. Be merciful just as your father is merciful. I like these things that Jesus says like this because it is a command to mimic the mercy of God, but it's also a way to experience it. Because when we are merciful to others, we begin to experience what it's like to live in a merciful state. Oh, this is this must be what it's like for God to be merciful to me. And that we, in a way, if we are merciful, if we practice mercy, that we become more and more of the image of God in the world around us. Angels in black and white.
way Welcome everyone in Children dreaming 